And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the mag- Magnania. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am faltering today. Um, my friend and mentor, Dr. Bear Paul Lando. How about that? Uh, coming to you live and direct. Hey, what do I mentor you in? Oh man, the uh, false germ theory, the fact we live on an infinite plane, uh, the um, ideas around the simulated reality of our uh, consciousness and that light is the- <laughs> Okay, that's good. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> we got Matt Maruka on today. Uh, very excited to dive deep into the science of light and sleep. I hope you guys are all having a beautiful week. It's been a cool- summer so far uh definitely the plants are loving it but i haven't been in the river much bear because we haven't had our typical 85 degree days it's been in the low 70s with a cool breeze no complaints here but definitely different weather than we normally have we've been hearing that from a lot of people in california has not been the typical summer yet very interesting but that being said uh we're loving life up here in the great state of jefferson where freedom still reigns supreme and if you guys haven't heard the end of covid launches july 11th go check that out at the end of and we hope to see you at music and sky music and where dr bear lando will be the keynote speaker and uh that's about all i got anything on your end bear lando now, same thing down here at our private beach on the farm. You know, it's uh, the water is still flowing a little bit heavier. And uh, when we're swimming every day, there's a little island that appears when the river recedes a little bit, but it hasn't happened yet. It's still submerged. So we're waiting for it to arise again. My grandkids who uh, have a blow up unicorn uh, that they used to float in uh, in the river call it unicorn island so we're waiting for the rising of unicorn island and uh you can almost see it coming up from the depths i do look forward to going to the unicorn island that's always a pleasure to swim in your hole and look at those big old cutties down in that pool uh that i've been known to catch back in the day but these days i kind of like just to leave leave them alone uh because they're so cool so the water there is just so uh, magical, for lack of a better way to say it. Um, and Shannon did an Instagram. She was uh, down at the the swimming hole there a couple of days ago and put it up there and instantly got uh, people to say, where is this amazing place? And, you know, it was thousands of views. And so uh, people are searching for these uh, spots that uh, people think don't exist anymore. Yes, we're quite blessed to be on one of the purest riverways in northern, I mean, in North America, really. So we chose this specifically, I don't personally, besides being closer to you guys, and uh, but for the water itself. And maybe we'll touch a little bit on that today. Primary water, living water, and its connection to light and uh, the internal milieu, that is uh, the human being. Uh, and what drives our internal reality. I look forward to diving deep with Matt Maruka today. Of raw optics he's returning to alpha cast to share his continuing research and personal journey into cultivating the inner light matt's exploration has included affirmation uh excuse me affiliations with ayurvedic practitioners and dr joe dispenza's corporate consultancy program neurochange solutions any cursory investigation in the field of waveform mechanics or the hermetic sciences will reveal there is only one substance in the created universe light how we qualify this light then becomes the critical factor in both our biological and spiritual well-being 
This part two interview with Matt will also build on past episodes with Jacob Lieberman, MD, and our in-house chats on this one source of all sentient life. Matt Maruka is the founder and CEO of Raw Optical. I'm wearing some of his wonderful glasses here today. Uh, as a child, Matt struggled constantly with debilitating headaches, allergies, and gut issues. He spent years trying Western medical drugs, Eastern diets and herbs, and modern diets and supplements to no avail. But everything changed when he learned about the role of mitochondria in producing energy and maintaining health in the body. Matt's research led to the understanding that all chronic diseases manifest when mitochondria are severely damaged and at the root of his own health issues. This led to the realization of why his own mitochondria had become compromised. In Matt's own words, quote, mitochondria are electromagnetic in nature, which means that their ability to process food and make energy is controlled by light. Every night, a hormone called melatonin helps to repair my mitochondria while we sleep. The problem was I was sabotaging, my, sabotaging myself with my late night TV, phone, and computer use, destroying my melatonin level and my mitochondria. The blue light frequencies and devices mimicked the sun and tricked my brain into thinking it was daytime and that I didn't need to sleep. I had to find a way to reset my circadian rhythm so my mitochondria could get the rest and repair needed. This would become the origins of raw optics. Tune in for this part two journey into the light for insights and solutions for your own lingering symptoms and to better understand why insomnia is the most prevalent symptom in our society today. I do have a link below um, in the show notes, alphavedic.com forward slash raw optics. We're happy to be an affiliate for Matt's company and support him in all his endeavors, Bear Lando. Uh, one of our favorite topics, light today. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Matt, uh, welcome back. Good to see you. Great I'm a little as well. you're in Costa Rica here, uh, you know, talking of great place, places on the planet. I love to have my board out in the water there right now. So uh, thanks for making time with us. Good to see you again. Good to see you guys as well. Thank you so much. Uh, that was a very flattering intro and uh, full disclosure regarding the Joe Dispenza stuff. Although I've gotten to uh, to spend a good amount of time at some of his events, I'm it. As far as the consultant program, I'm still in training, so I just have to disclaim that. I don't want to claim to uh, to be anything that I'm not, but I have spent a lot of time, uh, you know, with with their team and, and Dr. Joe, and they're some fascinating people. So I look forward to, to getting into all of this uh, today with you guys. Thank awesome. you. Well, you're in good company. We're all in training. Um, you know, I still don't yeah. know what I want to be when I grow up. And <laughs> so always a student, always got the training wheels on, you know, in some way or the other. But yeah. uh, hey, uh, yeah, definitely, as Mike already said, one of our favorite subjects. And uh, I'll start out by saying light is the most important nutrient for our bodies. And, uh, you know, a lot of the therapies that I, you know, uh, applied in my clinical years was uh, different forms of light qualified in different frequencies that, uh, you know, did very special things. And uh, what I, you know, we want to talk about the inner cultivation of light, which is the ultimate goal of all of us, because uh, our qualification with the inner work and just being able to maintain a focus and visualizations and understand how those different qualities of light affect us. You know, that's the ultimate technology. But I'd also uh, like to touch on a few external technologies and see what your thoughts are about that, since, you know, you've really uh, made it your business to uh, develop an expertise in, in all those things. 
So yeah. um, maybe we could start up where we left off last time. What, what's it been? A year? Two years? Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, about two years. A little bit more, actually. I think it was wow, February crazy. of 2021 that we spoke last. Yeah. And so you were... Maybe, uh, uh, well, I was going to say, Bear, Matt was kind of talking about going on a world tour. You weren't really settled. You were looking to real... And this was in the heart of the uh, corona experiment. <laughs> so it was like you were just going to take on the world and travel around. Um, I'm curious how that experience was. Did you go ahead great. and do that? Yeah. 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 It's been great. Um, you know, ever since I finished high school, I've been traveling. That was 2017. You know, it's interesting to look back and, and, uh, I recently I tried to write down all the places I've gone in the last uh, five years. And I thought, okay, I'll just sit 30 minutes before bed. I was lying down to sleep and I just thought, you know what? I, I always just go to sleep. Let me do something different and, and write all this history down. Maybe it'll give me some perspective. And it took me an hour just to write down the first year of travel. So I think I have another few hours work ahead of me to kind of piece together everything. But um, so I had been traveling quite a bit around the world, like more, I like to think of it more like living in different places, because it's not sometimes it's, you know, moving every couple of days or weeks, but often it's three months here, two months there, a month there, six months there. Uh, but anyhow, uh, I had been doing that before the pandemic and the pandemic kind of slowed me down. And then when it kind of let up a bit, I, you know, I use the word pandemic loosely. I think you, you get that. Um, and then I uh, basically uh, went to Costa Rica because it opened up. And then after that, I went over to uh, I went over to Europe and that was pretty interesting. Definitely navigating that. Um I won't share a lot of details, but in a world that requires certain things constantly that uh, I'm not particularly interested in, I, uh, you know, just had to navigate things. But uh, I did have a lot of these things stuck up my nose, which was not particularly pleasurable, but um, I, I deemed it uh, the lesser evil in order to get across borders and things like that. But it was interesting. I mean, thankfully, you most should, uh, of all of that's you, gone now. You should learn to just trust the science, bro. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely that's definitely a, a, a common perspective here. But uh, unfortunately, I don't trust totalitarian science. You know, most people don't understand that there's different types of science. There's, you know, authentic, genuine science. And then obviously, uh, there's uh, other types of science, certainly. And uh, I think people can, it's a, it's a great subject, but it's, it's interesting how science can be used for different aims. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, saying, you know, you should trust like companies, you know, like there's good companies and there's bad companies. Right. And uh, obviously I know you guys know this, but yeah, science is actually really the same. There's science is just an idea. It's a method and there's good and there's evil in, in this, or there's good. And maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't call it evil. Maybe we should just call it negligence or yeah, malintent, et cetera. But that that's very prominent in science today, sadly. Yeah. Well, the, the original, um, goal of science was to observe do things and observe and sit back and not have an opinion and just uh you know kind of catalog what you uh, uh observe but now observation has been relegated to anecdotal so therefore what you see and experience uh is not real uh trust what we tell you yeah 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 absolutely that's uh a good way to put it um there's a really interesting book that's worth bringing up i don't think we touched in this on this on our last call 
Uh, it's called Going Somewhere, Truth About a Life in Science. Maybe you've read it by uh, Dr. Andrew Marino. And he is a researcher who was the student, the protege of uh, Dr. Robert Becker, who you're probably familiar with. He wrote the book, The Body Electric. So many people don't know the story. Many people in this, even in this energy medicine and, and health and wellness and alternative type of thinking world know Becker very somewhat well or very well, but don't know Marino. But Marino was Becker's uh, student. He was a PhD student under Becker. He had studied uh, physics because he was interested in spaceships and all this type of stuff. Um, separate conversation. But um, he was interested in spaceships and he in going to space and whatnot, or at least studying and building things like that. And uh, he studied physics. And then he had the opportunity to do his PhD across the street from Syracuse University at a, at a lab at the Veterans Administration working for Becker, but basically doing biophysics, which is a totally different type of thing than classical physics. And also very much, uh, much less known and studied. So anyway, uh, he went over across the street and basically started doing his PhD with, with Becker. And uh, he had Becker didn't give him a lot of direction. He was sort of this quiet, solemn kind of older man in his in his just focused on. He was like a cowboy kind of character and basically very quiet anyway. And Marino was kind of just left to his own devices to figure out what to do. And he sort of had this idea. Well, you know, this great researcher um, Becker had figured out that the body contains this very delicate electromagnetic system, uh, which was, you know, henceforth. Uh, unknown and considered total woo-woo quackery. And it, it Becker in his book, The Body Electric, landmark book, he basically explains how for a long time life was thought there was this sort of battle between the vitalists and the mechanists. And the vitalists basically said that there is this sort of vital energy that underpins life. And the mechanists kind of said, no, it's really all just chemical. You could reduce life down to a bunch of chemical interactions. And that's basically it. So to say that like, we don't have a soul really something kind of along those lines, but in a trust us, we're the scientist kind of way. So basically uh, Becker changed that paradigm with his research, although it isn't as well known today as it can and should be. Um, that's one thing that I aspire to do. But so it's it's great that this comes up to frame the conversation because what Marino started doing was studying the effects of external electromagnetic fields on these delicate internal systems. And no matter where he looked, he saw that there was some influence, right? Uh, there, whether it was an increase in certain values or or symptoms or or phenotypes or something or a decrease, but there was there was generally, in fact, always a change when they study these externally applied electromagnetic fields on these really delicate internal systems. Now they started defending. Uh, the, you know, some people would see their their work in the newspapers and say, "Hey, you know, they just built a high voltage transmission line over my house. There was this big uh, line from Hud the Hudson Dam." to New York City or a dam up in Canada on um, yeah the Hudson Bay or something like that. And uh, maybe it was St. Lawrence Bay, but anyway, the Gulf of St. Lawrence. But anyway, they were bringing all this electricity down across New York State and just putting this these lines over people's houses with eminent domain or whatever. They could just build the line and you didn't really have a say much if you're a farmer. And so you know they farmers noticed uh, irregularities in the laying patterns of their chickens, the milk pr production of their cows, some one guy even got he touched the roof of his metal barn and got shocked off and injured his ladder flew back and uh, so they started some people started suing the power company and basically at the time there was a standard that said that the only way that's and this is similar to you know your sort of earlier comments sucker bear but basically that 
uh, scientific evidence could only be admitted into a court of law if it was considered generally accepted by the scientific community. And the reason that legal standards, so that's the, there's an interplay between law and science, and that was the interplay at the time in the United States. And the reason for that was because in, in a court case in the early 1900s, somebody was apparently murdered someone, they were being charged with murder, and they were uh, essentially trying to use a lie detector box, some sort of lie detector device that was developed to acquit themselves. And the apparently the evidence was pretty clear that they were guilty uh and that the judge and the jury weren't going to accept the evidence of this kind of questionable lie detector box understandably so so the judge at the time named fry had to come up with a new precedent because that's how the united states legal system generally works is on you know precedents uh, of how to how to rule or he had to make a ruling and that would become a precedent and it was basically to say that you know if science isn't generally accepted it can't be admitted into a court of law the problem with that is that just because when we, we you guys know very well that obviously if something is just generally accepted and we could think of a lot of things over the past few years that were generally accepted doesn't mean they're true right but that's what the fry standard put into the u.s legal system and marino details this in his book in thorough detail he was not just a phd he was also a jd so he also had a law degree anyway in the end they kind of lost out on the battle against the power companies because every single time that there was some lawsuit and marino would go as a scientific witness and he was able to handle cross-examination from these lawyers from these uh very very high level lawyers from the power companies better than anyone else because he, he didn't just have a phd he also had a law degree so he knew all of their tricks but because as a scientist him and robert o becker's research wasn't generally accepted so these power companies could hire for you know the equivalent of five thousand dollars an hour in today's money they could hire all these phds from stanford and harvard and blah blah, blah to say that basically nobody in the field agrees with Becker and Marino's work, they ultimately lost. Now, the irony and the interesting thing is that in the nine, in 98, 99, somewhere around there, there was actually a, a Supreme Court case of a family called Daubert, D-A-U-B-E-R-T, this is all on Wikipedia, versus Merrill Dow Pharmaceutical. Um, there was a, the woman had birth defects in her child because of this morning sickness drug she was taking. Maybe you guys remember this. I think it was a pretty big deal at the time. Um, I was not born, but basically... Uh, anyway, they actually called Marino, these lawyers, because they knew he was kind of the top guy in this interplay between science and law in this field. And they, they asked him, what do we tell the judges? They're prepared to rule in our favor, but we need to give them a sort of explanation. And he said, well, you should tell the judges that you know scientific knowledge isn't a product of general consensus or agreement. It's, it's the res a product of the methods used to obtain it. In other words, you shouldn't just as a scientist in court, you shouldn't just say, I'm a PhD from Stanford, da, 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 and this is what I believe, and this is why, you know, so, but you should believe me because I'm this and that credential. Um, instead, they should actually have to explain how they know what they know, and then the jury and the judge should be able to, you know, jury should be able to decide based on their explanation. And that's what was lacking when Marino was going up against the power companies, and it's largely why things are the way they are. But last thing on this is that the only at the moment that the main people who are still arguing in favor of the previous standard, the Fry standard, and not the new updated Daubert standard, uh, are telecom companies who are still facing a slew of lawsuits from consumers who have gotten brain cancers and tumors and all this. So anyway, there's a really like a, a much more depth to this conversation about science. And that's why Marino wrote the book, because he wanted to show that science isn't just this tool where, you know, you see people, at least where I grew up, a very, um, liberal kind of minded area and people would have these you see it everywhere actually people would have these uh 
flyers in their front yard, like, you know, some things about equality and all this, which I'm a huge fan of, but then they say like science is real. And it's like, okay, well, there's no context there. Like who's, who's paying for the science, you know, what are they studying? Uh, and Marino explains why science isn't just like this all good thing. It's just a tool that can be used by anybody who wants to use it or abuse it. And uh, so there's, yeah, there's quite a lot of depth to this anyway. Thank you guys for so, so what I think that. I hear you saying is that if uh, if you put on a twenty five dollar black polyester robe and have an opinion, you can override both the Constitution and reality and everybody has to think the same. Yeah, you're, you're referring to you mean to like judges <laughs> or juries? Or? Yeah, I'm just I'm just talking, I, I have a real issue with um you know, everybody obeying statutes that are based on precedent because some moron in a black robe says this is the way it is or has an opinion. And in reality, it has nothing to do with our constitutional republic, but we've got all the the folks out there obeying it anyway. And then all the, you know, the, not only the folks in the black robes, but the uh, the body of lawyers that are, you know, have sold their souls or just, uh, you know, using that to keep us in the same box. But anyway, uh, I would I, tend to I agree just, with you. I, you know, I just I would felt like I needed you. to have a little rant there. I'm glad you share that. I would tend to agree with you as well. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I do try to stay in at the moment, stay in my, uh, you know, my area of focus, but, um, when it comes mm -hmm. to science, there's a lot of issues. The legal system is something I'm, I'm aware there are issues, but I'm not even, that's not something I've yeah. gone very deep into. Yeah. So uh, one well, last on comment, the, though, what... about the electric, uh, real quick, Mike, just the electric grid itself, you know, um, is what people like Steiner back in the days of the uh, Spanish flu pandemic, um, you know, was actually responsible for that epidemic in the first place. So, you know, the effects of dirty electricity on our body and frequencies is well established. Mike, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was perfect. Uh, and I was just going to say in terms of the science, of course, the peer review system has been shown to be so faulty. And a lot of the proponents of the current corporate science regime always point to that, right? Well, it's peer reviewed, but the peer review system is literally the linchpin, I believe, for um, the, you know, um, you know, the control system of science, because and there was a study, I believe is 2020, but Harvard out of Harvard, where they uh, a gentleman, a PhD there, uh, specifically put in faulty, um, a faulty scientific paper to see if he could push it through because it was politically aligned with the left, and it got completely pushed through. And it was a total joke. And actually, Brendan Murphy uh, has been has done a, a wonderful job at exposing this on his podcast and with some of his writings. And he's actually featured in the end of COVID talking about this. So very important to remember, guys, that uh, we're talking about corporate scientism, the religion of our day, and not the true scientific method. But bear, as I know we agree, even the scientific method needs to be looked at critically because what is observation? Observation is looking at light part, what they call particles, right? It's it's focused on the, the physical materialism. Uh, and there's much more to observation than just what current scientific method even admits as the core factors yeah. of the observation. Yeah. And as what we always uh, discuss is that light, which is uh, pure consciousness that then is qualified through the ethers to create our experience and what we think of as matter 
is uh, actually electricity put into effect by our own consciousness. Now, as scientists, we go out and conduct an experiment and then try to pretend that we're not in the room affecting it at all. I mean, it's just crazy when you understand yeah. how things work. And here's how peer review works in a nutshell. Uh, I'm a PhD that's uh, getting a little, you know, padding on the back end by some corporation or pharmaceutical company. And, uh, you know, being a PhD from Stanford, I call up my bros after I do an experiment, you know, Matt and, and Mike, uh, who are PhDs from MIT. And I say also on the same payroll and I say, hey, what do you think of my experiment? And you guys go, hey, perfect. We agree. So that's peer review, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it, it's uh, not exactly the it's not the ideal system. Uh, we could put it this way. And uh, on that point, there's an article that I just that just came to my mind. It's in the Atlantic magazine, which it's a pretty prominent magazine, but November 2010, and it's called Lies, Damned Lies, and Medical Science. And it's a really, really great <laughs> article actually exposing yeah. how the majority of medical science is actually just completely false, like a huge, maybe not majority, but I mean, in fact, I believe the majority probably is, but they, they've openly admit um, there's a lot of evidence that at least a, a very large minority of medical science is completely, completely unreliable. And um, they they talk about you know there's a lot of details in there. It, it actually starts talking about a, a sort of conspiracy theory, which is and you know ended up being um, realistic. In fact, uh, where hospitals in Greece were you know diagnosing patients falsely with the appendicitis so they could do surgeries on them and so on. And that that kind of thing is 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 you know all too common. Um, but anyhow, so I think we're in agreement here that there's there are flaws in science and there are flaws in uh, the legal system, right? But uh, the question is, what can we do about it as uh, as the daily people? How can we, uh, you know, elevate our experience? At least that's well, what I, I try to focus on. I think decentralization is the key, and we're not we're not denouncing science. Once again, as we've stated here, right? It's denouncing the moneyed interests that are controlling it. That are coming from centralized players and, and system. Uh, it's like a whole entire huge systemic issue, right? But when we decentralize and when we empower the individual to find their path, and if that happens to be someone who's an independent scientist who can um, find ways to um, get funding to do their own studies, um, like what you've done at Raw Optics, right? And what we do at Alpha Vedic using the scientific method to validate what we do, and then put that out through uh, decentralized and sensor-proof uh, platforms like Cordal or all sorts of stuff. We're, we're streaming on Odyssey right now. Um, and, and here we have a path towards uh, true science, which is not uh, being controlled by specific centralized moneyed interests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this I totally all agree. Segue tangent brings us full may, circle just, back to the. Go ahead. Just one thing to throw in on that. I'm really glad you mentioned this. Speaking of decentralized and, and us making our own conclusions, uh, you know, people taking their own, let's say, stance, uh, their own approach. Like if what what uh, what I've experienced in this process is just observing how. For whatever reason, I, I had the confidence or um, awareness when maybe some of my peers didn't to not trust what I was being told. I'm not sure exactly why me and and not others uh, that that I know, but for whatever reason, again, I I just don't 
didn't trust these powers that be. And I think it was largely because of the stuff I started reading when I was 13 and 14 years old about the paleo diet and just realizing, oh my gosh, the food industry is just not, it's all, it's kind of all a lie. And then it went into learning about light and oh my gosh, nobody ever told me light could affect my health. And then, you know, the, the electromagnetic fields science in particular caused uh, me to distrust a lot. Cause as a younger kid, I actually, I wore tons of sunscreen. In fact, I was the kid who try to encourage my friends that they should wear sunscreen because they needed to. So they wouldn't get a sunburn or skin cancer or whatever. Like I, so I kind of did a full 180. Um, but, but this is to basically say that if I had just been a normal thinker, I hadn't had this influence, I probably wouldn't have started my company. Cause I would have said, Oh, well, you know, yeah, there's a little bit of evidence that blue light can affect uh, our sleep and circadian rhythm, but because there are no, you know, peer reviewed randomized control clinical trials talking about blue light protection glasses. And there are a few now, but not a lot. And they're not really well executed. Um, they're just, just a couple. And again, they're very limited in their scope, but I probably wouldn't have started the company because if I was a conventional thinker, I would have said, Oh, this has no legs. There's no way this is even valid or would work unless some authority figure would tell me. Right. But then here I, I went ahead and, and I think this could be valuable for a lot of people who are kind of in that uncertain position where, you know, uh, people think, Oh, there's no opportunities for a business or there's no opportunities for this, that. And that the only way that would ever be true is if you just trust everything you read or are told, right. Uh, all this is to say there is enough evidence that, you know, blue light controls our circadian rhythm. That one's pretty well, was pretty well established even in 2015, 2016, 2017. Blue light can disrupt our circadian rhythm and, and create, uh, you know, melatonin suppression and sleep issues if we have too much blue light at night. So there's all these different factors. It wasn't necessarily clearly obvious that this could work, but enough people, including myself, had tried it with these sort of clunky safety goggles and were feeling benefits so to me, it was like a no brainer. And now five, six years later, just last year, we had a partnership with Aura, the company that makes the sleep tracking ring, which, you know, is very, very popular now. And we had thousands and thousands of people get our glasses as a free gift as part of this partnership. And hundreds of people just voluntarily shared their sleep data with us in their, you know, anecdotal reviews saying my deep sleep improved significantly very quickly, sometimes the first night. So to me, that's, that's all the validation I need, but there would still be people like the profane, we could call them who just don't believe anything that, that just wouldn't believe it anyway, still, they want to be skeptical. And I don't know what to do about that, but I think I don't try to convince people. I just share my experience and hopefully it resonates with people. Anyway, Dr. <laughs> Matt Maruka, drop in the profane Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> no, uh, Matt, somebody what, somebody said that in the chat. No, that's just an inside joke in the our podcasting world. When you drop okay. a, a terminology like that, we it's just a joke. Okay, um, Illuminati. <laughs> I, I I don't know the inside joke. So anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Bear. No, I was just uh, earlier. I was just going to segue our conversation into all everything we've been going all over the place with back to light because in the light is the solution for all things and you know you're talking about blue light and everything which we want you to get more into and and other things uh, relative to cultivating the light within yourself but you know light as it is in nature's full spectrum and i would liken it to the nutraceutical kind of fad where people are trying to biohack the body and all this kind of stuff by extrapolating one particular element within an herb or some kind of natural source, concentrating it, 
and then uh, using that exclusively at the expense of the full spectrum. And, you know, you can get effects from that, but long-term, what I found in medicine, they're not good effects. You know, we want to cultivate what nature puts out there. And what we're getting in blue light is a synthetic concentration of, uh, you know, just this kind of standardized one spectrum of the light. So uh, maybe just go off on that a little bit for us, Matt. And then, and then uh, as soon as we can, maybe we can segue into, you know, how do we do this within ourselves as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's perfect because that's where I want to go as well. So, um, you know, just regarding light from the, the everything I've read and the people I'm, I've worked with, and I'm, I'm now working with one of the top photobiology experts in the world uh, out of Germany. In fact, I'd love to get him on your podcast at some point, but he, real, real genius and uh, you know, very unconventional thinker when it comes to light and science in general. And you know, at, at the basic level, light kind of organizes life. It's energy flowing through the environment of Earth, uh, at least as you know, as we understand it traditionally. There's the sun, there's the Earth. The light of the sun comes and strikes the Earth, and it moves through, and it's energy. So it causes changes in matter, much in the same way, really. Uh, that as wind blowing through the desert leaves certain tracks in the sand and those tracks in the sand are inextricably linked to the flow of the wind and the patterns of the energy. And we could say life is, is in many respects, uh, very similar to that. We sort of are sculpted by the different wavelengths of, of light that come from the sun. So when we look at the way that different wavelengths affect our body, we can see across the spectrum that you know, blue light affects our body's rhythm. And that's something that has been studied both in, in cells and also in living organisms. Uh, we can see that ultraviolet light has all sorts of different effects on, for example, release of nitric oxide in our blood vessels and causing our, our blood vessels to swell and blood to actually come up to the surface of our skin. Uh, obviously, a big one that most people know about, and most people think it's the only thing the sun does, is vitamin D, which is produced by ultraviolet B light. Uh, then, of course, if you overdose on the ultraviolet range of light, this can be harmful. And that's something that I've actually gotten much more aware of recently working with this, this German expert, whereas some of the folks I was studying from back in the day were sort of more of the mindset of like, the more sun, the better, you know, just keep, just push it to the limit. And, and I've taken, a, I think, a much more moderate approach since then, understanding that, yeah, you can overdo sun exposure, especially if you're a light-skinned person who moves somewhere south, uh, you can overdo the sun, just like you could overdo anything else that's that's a good thing, almost. Um, anyway, so th all these different wavelengths, of colors of light have different effects in our physiology. We can see that red and infrared light enhance the function of our mitochondria and cellular respiration and water metabolism and, and so on. So there's all these different effects, uh, many of which are studied and many of which probably have yet to be studied. Um, so, yeah, so we can basically use light to improve every aspect of our health. Uh, I, I like to sort of help people understand this from a, a basic level by talking about how when somebody comes into a room and says, well, this is how you should optimize your health, or this is how you should optimize your health. This is kind of the, the state of affairs in the biohacking world. There's all these ideas about how people can optimize their health and health optimization. I was at a conference recently that a friend of mine runs called the Health Optimization Summit, but very few people take time to define their terms and something 
I, I'm grateful I learned when I was younger, I was just reading about basic logic um, back in, you know, Greece and Rome, not that they had it all figured out, but they would teach people what they call the trivium, which is grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And it's about how to take in information, um, how to remove contradictions, and how to then express that information back out. And that's grammar, logic, and rhetoric. And so I, I started, thankfully, for being exposed to this uh, information, I started to think about many things in my life, including this concept of health in this way. So health is, we could say, the when life, a living organism is functioning well as it's sort of designed to, right? Uh, and that means that the predicate uh, of health is, or life, I should say health is predicated on life, the existence of life, right? And the existence of life is predicated on the energy of, of sunlight in this particular, on this planet, in this particular place where we find ourselves. So, so all that's to say, the reason I share that is if, if life is predicated on light energy, you know, interacting with matter, then it means we can't have health without the existence of, of life and therefore without light. And when everybody talks about all these different things about health, it's, it's something so foundational that if our light environment, the light we're exposed to is completely off, shall we say, then our biological systems cannot function the way they've evolved. We can't even reach our sort of baseline optimal function if we're in a, in an altered light environment. So I, I'd say that's a brief and basic summary of how life and light relate. And if, if we want to achieve health, we have to get the light in our environment dialed into where it was because it's, it's the energy source, right? If we go to an indoor lighting environment with LEDs and fluorescence, they're isolated light spectra. These don't contain that full spectrum with all the different wavelengths that power our biology. And so as a result, just like a, a nutraceutical, or I should say, yeah, nutraceutical or some, uh, any sort of isolated vitamin or drug the body isn't going to have the same effect as if you consume, let's say, the whole food version of that. Let's say uh, it, it's very comparable to that. And uh, just a, a a quick little spin off on the on the um, on the trivium. You know, it's a old method of uh, basically observation, so you could come to sort of an impartial um decision on you know what you might be seeing and then sharing it with other people and exchanging ideas and everything uh it was also based on the four pillars of the quadrivium you know geometry uh, music uh, arithmetic and astrology and if you break those down it brings you right into the hermetic sciences and that's why i believe uh, the study of alchemy you know and reading those books from the 1600s is uh uh, infinitely more scientific than what I had to endure in medical school. I got to come in, come up and hang out with you guys <laughs> still. Well, and where does the light come from? It comes from the sun, right? Supposedly. And what is the sun? I don't even think <clears throat> science really knows, uh, quote unquote science. They say, you know, it's a uh, chemical uh, there's theories about it being a plasma spheroid. Uh, I personally see it as a reflection of consciousness here and that it's a portal. Uh, and and we are that light that's coming to us is literally a reflection of the inner light we project. So it's a back and forth uh, that gets a little deep and esoteric. But um, I think it's important that we we really start to 
come to a better understanding of what the source is and what that means for us, for not only our consciousness and our health, but uh, society in general and where we're going because it, there are macro effects to it, which we're seeing right now as I was opening up the show about the cooler temperatures. And then there's a lot of <clears throat> um, talk about, and I've, I'm sure, I don't know if we talked about this on the first one, Matt, about the, the, the color and the overall qualitative aspects of the sun being brighter and whiter than the warmer yellow when I was a child. And I don't know if there are actual <laughs> core quote unquote scientific facts and studies about that, but it does send to be, <clears throat> does tend to have a general consensus among our community that people agree on that. So that being said, what is your take on the sun? <laughs> Do you go pretty mainstream in terms of what it's comprised of? And, um, and of course, uh, how do you engage with it these days? Because uh, we did discuss this a little bit. Do you do morning in our first show? Do you do morning sun gazing? And do you have any sort of regimen around your interaction directly with the sun? Yeah, I would say, first of all, about the sun at the moment, I would say I'm pretty mainstream, but not not out of a deep, deep uh, research into the nature of the sun itself. Like I focused more on know how the light is affecting us and yes there are certain i'd say pretty foundational um ideas that i've sort of accepted and i acknowledge that i've accepted and that i look forward to challenging as time goes on you know i'm in the process of actually freeing up my time within my business so that i can do more of this sort of deeper layers of maybe someone call it esoteric research because i want to i want to go much deeper uh than than i've even gone that this thus far uh i i am skeptical of of all of the traditional um, approaches. And, you know, you guys have been a positive influence in that respect. Our, our original conversation was, and then many other of these, let's say, open-minded thinkers out there, Dr. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Cohen, but, uh, you know, he's had a sort of, I'd say an influence on, on, on at least forcing me to challenge some of my. Yeah. Tom's going to be on, uh, Tom's going to be back on next month on the show. Great. Great. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, um, and yeah, even questioning like, and this is the, you know, the sacred cows that you can't touch, uh, although it seems like you guys have touched these from the beginning here, but yeah, like we're, you know, every, almost everything that I, if I look at my life that I was taught and I just accepted has pretty much been wrong or most of it has been like some manipulation. And if there is a truth behind it, there is like a, a manipulation of that. Uh, you know, there's just just a lot of things, right? So I don't really know what the the, the truth, capital T, is of, of a lot of these different um, things. I just have my own experiences to go off. But that being said, I'm skeptical a lot of the, of the generally accepted things, including, you know, the the nature of of the the planetary bodies and the way that the universe is is set up and the galaxies and the I just, you know. I'd love to dive into that deeper than I have thus far. Uh, you know, the origin of the universe and and all these types of things. I've read a bit, but but not enough to make some really informed conclusions. But I'd love to look at the whatever the standard model, accepted model is based on. I'd love to dive deeper into that. And that's something I, I'm looking forward to doing. I would. Two- I would. Please. No, please. Oh. Give me a joke. I was just going to say I would recommend Walter Russell as a starting point for anybody because he does make a lot of uh, concepts very accessible to the Western mind so we don't have to 
think in terms in uh, old alchemical terminology or terminology from other cultures, you know, such as the Asian cultures, that we're all talking about the same thing that Hermeticists talked about. And um, it really, uh, you know, outlines uh, or dissects, you know, the not just the nature of light, but its source and how we are engaging with that source every single moment in order to create all the qualities you know that then are imparted on that light to create or precipitate matter as the old alchemists understood uh, you know how it coagulates informational fields through the ethers and um you know with the sun itself if we think of it as a living intelligence and walter russell and many others have uh, figured out that the sun is not hot it's actually a very cooling kind of energy and there's reasons why we feel it through uh you know our atmospheric prism as heat and also that sun gives birth to all the other plasma fields or planets you know whatever your belief system is that then qualify that uh radiance or that intelligence from the sun uh you know for certain functions uh you know for the purpose of our creation and that the sun, every time we're in it, we're not just getting, you know, ultraviolet, uh, you know, uh, red and, you know, whatever, uh, you know, parts of the spectrum that we can think of, but we're actually receiving information fields and the sun uh, radiates those informational fields that are the programs for every life form within all four kingdoms of nature within our realm. And I think of uh, this as a functional realm rather than a spinning ball, but that's that's just my take. And um, I don't know of anybody who's figured out how to go into outer space by penetrating the firmament which is actually the the top of a toroidal field. So, you know, there's all sorts of cool things to get into, but it's not just um, esoteric. It's, it's really when we understand more how the realm functions, then we can get more into an understanding of what light is and how to use it for our benefit. Yeah, great. I love that you, you know, I love the way you share all these things. And I'm I'm so open-minded personally to to these sort of more, these concepts, many ideas that are, like heresy, you know, to the, to the mainstream. But for me, it's like, is, you know, someone who's so steeped in the traditional view, you know, of all these types of things, including over the last couple of years, what's gone on, they would challenge you and say, Oh, but it's like this. And it's like this. And it's like this. And, and unless I've, I mean, unless I've seen it myself or really trust the, the, evidence on which certain ideas are based it's really hard for me to to accept a lot of these traditional ideas so i, I really appreciate this and i will i will be um reaching out for for detailed well, well you're doing you're doing brilliant work and you're having your own experience in you know in a certain area that that's all i did and i have my belief system i'm not saying it's true or anything but all i observed is over decades when i uh conformed to more of my conventional studies that i had to go through uh, things didn't grow, bodies didn't heal, and uh, I, I I couldn't make quality plant medicine, you know, in my laboratory. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about some of these things and get those insights and then start mimicking uh, processes that are um, repressed, you know, from medical studies and everything, you just find out that things work better. So mm -hmm. maybe that's not science, but to me, it's all I have to go on. I, I actually think it's very much scientific. So, you know, back to our original conversation, like it, it's, it's, 
accepted or believed by many that the science that science is something that only a guy in a white lab coat can do, you know, just like the judge in the black gown. Um, but actually, the scientific method is, as you mentioned, is a way of observation. I mean, science comes from the Latin word skire to know, uh, unless there's another conspiracy about that that I'm not familiar with, but or another <laughs> conspiracy, you know what I mean? But apparently it comes from the Latin word skire, meaning to know. And so it's just the process of gaining knowledge through observation, following a simple method, which, you know, the traditional scientific method as it's taught, even in mainstream schooling and so on, is just develop a hypothesis and create experiments to try to disprove your hypothesis. So it's not like trying to prove something. It's actually just trying to disprove something. If you can't disprove it, eventually you might assume that it's closer to the truth. Uh, but then, you know, that's kind of manipulated where, so the, the, the sort of premise of all science is that you can't necessarily fully know anything. You can just attempt to disprove uh, thing or yeah, d attempt to disprove things. And in doing so many, many times, maybe think to understand that something is closer to the truth, but it's actually kind of humble in its original, in its original form, because it's not claiming we actually know a bunch of things. It's just, well, we, we think this is probably true because we weren't able to disprove it. And we tried all these different ways. So more than likely we think it's true. I think that's pretty humble. And I think if science were treated like that, it'd probably be to everyone's benefit versus like, this is good for you. And everybody needs this. It's like, you, you get the idea. Um, so, so anyway, I, I'd love to shift as we were talking about towards the inner light stuff. And a good segue might be that in, in my, um, at the point I'm at in my own personal journey, although there's a part of me that yearns to just stabilize myself, slow down the travel and just immerse myself in all these books, uh, you know, and for example, dive deep into Walter Russell and all these things, I'm sure I'll have my time. And I'm, I'm as much as I used to kind of feel that there was some sort of urgency to that. I'm feeling less and less like that um, lately. Cause I realize I enjoy so much what I'm doing, traveling and exploring. And I think for me at the moment, this is my sort of uh, scientific experiment with life. You know, I'm, I just spent four months in Bali. I was in Australia for a month. I was in Europe for two months and I went and, uh, I'll see if I can make this a brief story, but I was sitting in Bali at a cafe and I saw a guy reading a book, which is, which was written by the same author as uh, one of my favorite books when I was 10 years old called Born to Run about the tribes in Mexico that run barefoot hundreds of miles. And it's the book that sparked off this barefoot running kind of craze in, you know, 2010. And I, I still love to run and walk barefoot or mostly barefoot and connect to the to the earth. But anyway, I didn't know this author had written another book uh, several years ago, Christopher McDougall or McDougall. And uh, so I decided I should read that book. The, the book itself was kind of pulling my energy. I didn't even see the title originally, but I just felt like I got to get a look at what that the book the guy's reading. And I read it. It's a really cool, uh, it was a cool war story, actually. Uh, interesting stuff. And again, all of this is sort of secondhand information. I wasn't there to see it, but basically, uh, you know, a British team of British special operatives on the island of Crete in World War II basically took, kidnapped one of Hitler's generals, hiked him across the mountain for three weeks and uh, got him on a submarine off to Egypt. And, it just, you know, they were just basically helping the, the local Cretans resist the Nazi occupation, however they could. And it was a cool story because the author, in his interest in exercise physiology, used it to kind of explain how the the Cretan people and Greeks in general live a very natural, healthy lifestyle and all these types of things that, that makes them really healthy and vibrant. Right. Uh, anyway, the, the name of that book is called natural born heroes, but that was just a side piece. 
the thing that fascinated me was that the main character, one of the main characters who led this sort of kidnapping of this of this Nazi general as a kid had sort of been a misfit in the UK, got kicked out of school, you know, probably would have been sort of in our crowd circles if he were still alive today or were growing up at this time. But um, after some time working in London, he decided, you know, I better kind of go figure myself out. I better go abroad. And uh, things aren't really going my way here in England. And took a boat across the English Channel to uh, Rotterdam, the Hook of Holland, and then basically walked all the way up the Rhine and all the way down the Danube. And his target was was Constantinople, now known as Istanbul. And so he he made it and he just had an amazing experience. He actually wrote about it. Uh, in, in a few different books. His name is Patrick Lee Firmer. He's now sort of famous British travel author, but he's deceased. But anyhow, um, I read that as a, as a sort of side note, not really the main point of this other book I was reading. And it just fascinated me. I thought that sounds like an adventure. I've traveled you know, all around the world now, um, lots of flights and trains and buses and seeking for something sort of uh, just looking just to to not anything in particular, but just to absorb what I, whatever there is to absorb, right? And I thought, how cool would it be to actually go on an adventure like that on foot, right? Because something about the airplanes and all this other type of travel is just not doing it for me in the way that I maybe thought it would. But that to me seemed like a real proper adventure covering long distance by land. So re- anyway, recently I uh, I walked as, as a sort of experimental uh, walk. I walked this Camino de Santiago in northern Spain. So maybe you've heard of this very popular pilgrimage path. Uh, legend has it that the the Apostle St. James remains are buried in Santiago there. And uh, bucket list for me, for sure. Yeah. And, it you know, regardless of the legend and the truth of it or not, I, I'm inclined to, to believe this. But um, there's a really special energy there in Santiago and that's drawn people on all sorts of paths across Spain and France and Portugal to this point for uh, over a thousand years, uh, even when it was occupied by the the uh, Arabs that they took over all of the Iberian. That was, uh, that was the subject of kind of a neat movie with Martin Sheen. I don't know if you ever yeah, saw the that. Way, everybody told me about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'd love it to was watch great. it. It was great. It was a sweet movie. Yeah, I'd love to watch it. So so I did that as an experiment. And I just have to say as a side note, that's not the purpose of our, our, our discussion here. But um, for me, that was a, an amazing experience. I highly recommend it. And the amount of, of time I just had to just meditate. Part of the reason was, well, I've... I'm I'm living right. I'm here every day. I go through my day, and I spent so many hours when I was in in Indonesia in Bali on my laptop working. I mean, I also spent time exploring and surfing, but I just felt like, gosh, there, you know, how could I set up my days where I'm just sort of obligatorily spending more time out in nature doing something positive and less time just sitting on my laptop? And I realized for so many years, I told myself that I didn't have enough time in the day to get the things done that I needed to do. And then I realized that it was I was just sort of shrinking time with my beliefs and my brain. And just by going out and, and walking several hours per day, like about 15, 20 miles a day, I just sort of time just expanded itself. It, it was a really fascinating concept. So anyway, that's an experiment. I want to do a much longer walk across Europe. That's sort of what I'm aiming at, just for the sake of, of adventure. But um I'm sharing that for a few reasons. I, I think mainly that in regards to this scientific sort of exploratory conversation we've been having, I think what I want to do is just go around and what I'm doing is just gathering information and hopefully one day it leads to something. I don't know what it'll lead to, but observations, right? And um, with that, 
I'll, I'll bring up Dr. Joe Dispenza, whose work I admire tremendously. I think when we had last spoken, I had just gone to one of his uh, retreats that he does. Since then, I've gone to like 12. I just kind of keep going back. And I, as I mentioned before, I'm just doing the things that draw me, right? But I spent all this time, as, as we talked about a little earlier, and it was the subject of our last episode, I spent all this time doing all these diets and experimenting with all this food and believing the food experts that or gurus, food gurus, like that, that if you eat paleo, you're going to be healed of every issue you have in your life. And it's like the, the, the cure all. And then, and then I learned about uh, light and, you know, proceeded to believe that light was sort of the be all end all cure all. And I think it's closer, but um, nonetheless, I had actually come to feel kind of miserable internally, you know, having a business, having this freedom, but still not finding what I was looking for, which after getting more into sort of a spiritual approach and doing some work with Dr. Joe Dispenza, reading the work of some others, but actually going and practicing a lot of meditation for a week. I, I had a moment uh, where I felt so much love in my heart uh, just from doing the things Joe Dispenza was teaching, uh, you know, practicing, opening my focus, disconnecting from my own beliefs and limited perspectives. And I felt so whole and so much love. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for the whole time. It was just to feel whole. And that that's actually, you know, that's the process of healing. And that maybe, maybe all that the health issues that I had experienced as a kid weren't even necessarily just caused by bad food or by even artificial harmful light or electromagnetic fields or toxins, you, you name it. But maybe it was just psychological, uh, emotional issues that created, let's say, ruptures in internal light. And that's still something I'm trying to work out scientifically. Uh, but it, there's a there's a really solid at least foundation for understanding internal light in the research on biophotons and how our cells create light. Uh, you know they've studied that our cells emit ultraviolet light for communication, and so now I'm just much more interested in focusing on how can we yeah how can we use our mind and modulate the light inside of us basically and you know let's say root out the darkness and I think that's a you know really practical thing for me surely it is for me but i think for a lot of other people because everybody's hunting in every which direction uh for the next thing or the next biohack that's supposedly going to make them feel whole but if we have issues in our own let's say energetic field my experience is telling me that that we're not necessarily going to accomplish what we're seeking to accomplish I would, um, you know, we've talked about this a lot on other episodes, but I'm always uh, in the belief that it's good to eat authentic food that's not synthetic because it just inherently has more light in it. But at the same time, uh, what food will really do is whatever we believe it'll do to us and whatever you um, adhere to, whether it's a vegan diet, a paleo diet. Um, if you're ideologically attached to any one way of thing, you're externalizing uh, things that have power over you and you become uh, almost like a victim consciousness that uh, food has this power over you. And, uh, you know, the truth of it is what I found is the human body, uh, especially when it's under the direction of an informed consciousness, will transmute anything it brings into whatever it needs. And uh, I'll just leave it at that. I really appreciate that. I actually, I'm so glad, you know, it's so great to speak with you guys because you're on so much of the same wavelength. Uh, we're, on, we're on a very similar or the same wavelength here. Uh, you know, it just, it just made sense to me as I studied this further and further. 
and, and had this sort of personal experience that, you know, people in the health and wellness world, including myself previously, are trying to take uh, all the different supplements and eat the right macronutrients and do all of this stuff where there's an assumption implicit in all of these activities, which is that the body knows how to use everything it's taking in. And it, it should, and generally it does, but like, what if that's disrupted for some reason? And I think that's the case in, in the issues I faced as a, as a kid and in almost every disease that it's not so much that somebody's lacking the raw materials for biology, but that they're the intelligence responsible for organizing that has some flaw in it. And exactly how that breaks out I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'm sure I, I believe I would assume there are some thinkers who have gone very deep on this, especially from an esoteric uh, perspective or more Eastern perspective, at, at least uh, from a Western perspective. I'm not aware of many besides Dr. Robert O. Becker, uh, the, the other authors, or I should say the other researchers in the book, Light Shaping Life, which include Fritz Albert Pop. Alexander Gerwich, people studying uh, light energy, Dr. Jacob Lieberman, who have, who's gone into this, the, the researcher I work with, Dr. Alexander Wunsch, uh, John Ott. There are several in the light. If you guys know others who I'm not familiar with, please, by all means, share. But from the Western perspective, I, I'm not aware of, a, of many. So I look forward to, you know, over the next, I don't know, 10, 5, 10 years, however long it is, uh, really diving further into this more Eastern esoteric uh, alchemical, let's say, perspective of life and seeing how there can be bridges between the Western scientific understanding and the Eastern. Uh, personally, from my own knowledge, uh, although I'm pretty open-minded, I'd say, and faithful in a lot of these things, uh, just if it resonates with me, I, I'm, I'm open to these things. But also for the purposes of, as someone like Joe Dispenza is doing, for the purposes of actually helping those who are more skeptical but are inclined towards wanting to understand and wanting to believe this and open-minded enough so that they can have the tools they need. Just like somebody helped me, you know, kind of bridge the gap at some point with, with kind of reaching out just enough. That's something I'd love to do. I, uh, I think a transcontinental barefoot trek will teach you more than you could ever learn out of any book. That's kind of what I, I'm glad you say that. That's actually, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I, uh, that's what I want to do. As, as I mentioned, I, I, I actually had this idea that I would walk uh, to Jerusalem because it seems like a pretty good target for a pilgrimage, uh, Bethlehem, Nazareth, et cetera. Uh, but I, I'm super curious. This is like me. I want to interview you guys. I definitely should. I actually would love to do an interview interviewing you guys. I have this, the light diet podcast. I very rarely interview anyone because there's to be honest, there's not a lot of people I'm interested in interviewing, like just being totally honest. Um, but or at least the mainstream, the people talking about the the sleep or sex, like just, just not that interesting for me. But people talking about, you know, the kind of stuff you guys are into, I would love to interview you for the light diet. But anyway, I'm curious about your perspectives about Jesus, Christ, Christianity, Allah, different religions, how that all kind well, of loops in and that's I was going to say that, that it's funny you bring up religion because all the great classical religions, which are really stemming from the perennial philosophy, uh, are, all have some sort of hermitage, some uh, where you're you're going away and getting away and fasting, right? Or some sort of 
a journey that you go on, whether, uh, you know, as we're talking about the Camino here. And by the way, I love Craig Adams' channel. If you guys um, are, in, this is something my kids and I do all the time. We watch people go on these uh, treks and he is a, has a beautiful way of filming it. There's no talking on it. He films it. He's done all the Camino. He's done all the big treks. Uh, and uh, anyways, I highly recommend that YouTube channel. He's awesome with a K, Thank Craig you. Adams. Uh, that being, and it's really Zen watching it too. It's just awesome. And um, actually on my bucket, my main bucket list is doing the PCT. I said, when I turn 50, I'm doing the whole PCT trail. I already told my two boys, if they want to come, they can take six months off school and come with me. Um, that for me is something um, I'm really, really into. Uh, and six we'll be doing, months, the PCT, more or less. I mean, you could do it in five. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, you typically, depending on the weather, like this year, it's been tough because of all the uh, snow that the Sierras got. People had a really late start. And I'm I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen Matt, but Yosemite is like the most epic it's been in 40 years in terms of the waterfalls and heavy water volume. But it's been is that because of all the snow that there was. <laughs> yeah, the snow yeah, they got yeah. this year. So anyways, it's a it's for me, one of the creme de la creme of, of, of backpacking in the world. Uh, and I just happen to live you know, two hours away from it. <clears throat> so I'm going to do a section of it, uh, at the, in the fall, once the, once the volume of trekkers go down and I'm going to do up to, um, crater Lake from, uh, our house in Southern Oregon. Um, but that right. being said, there is a reason why these great religions, um, had, uh, these aspects of fasting, right. Ramadan and, and Lent and all that, uh, and, uh, elements around, uh, uh, taking, uh, the journey and the trek to these sacred lands, uh, and it was for this direct reason that that is your connection to uh, your inner light and and getting grounded and understanding and getting recentered, right? Uh, and I think there's a lot to learn from these religions that often get cast out by the especially the truth or freedom community as being old-fashioned or antiquated. My friend James Tunney has been really good at reiterating the fact that this all does come from the perennial philosophy, and there's a lot to learn from these religions still. And so, uh, yeah, but that being said, a great trek across the land has a lot to teach us, a lot more than uh, often YouTube videos or reading books. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are getting, once again, those informational fields from reflected from the sun. And when we get out of out of this, out of being on the phone all day and and, yeah. and looking at content, I believe that's how we're new discoveries come from. So. Uh, and then one more thing on the light on uh, getting back to science for me and bear favorite type of scientific studies on ourselves. Bear talks about this a lot as an athlete. He was a competitive athlete, played D1 football and experimented on himself in the gym to really see what works. And I really feel then you have something at stake. It's your body. It's your spirit. It's your life stream. And there are um, people out there that are breatharians or what we call solarians or cha arians. I came up with the term yesterday on a podcast. I actually did a podcast yesterday. Um, You're with, on with our homie Alex Zek. Yeah, exactly. And you just mentioned the uh, the end of COVID that he's releasing. So it's, it's very, very cool. But basically, I came up with the term luxarian. So we got that. Oh, uh, as in like light lux, like <laughs> nice. lux, yeah, nice. luxarian. Because solarian is implying sun, but that that's specific light source. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you might argue the sun is the the light source if there aren't other stars in the universe or or galaxies or whatever. But but luxarian doesn't discriminate against different kinds of light, whether solar derived or or otherwise. 
So anyway, it's, it was that or Photarian, the Greek photo. But I think Phot- I think Luxarian sounds better. We agree that it sounds like some sort of Atlantean ancient civilization type of thing. So um, Luxarian went out. So anyway, the Instagram's taken somehow. Does or it oh, doesn't? Wow. Exist. I dig it. It's okay. I, like I like, it. I got the light diet. That's all I need. But anyway, so please. <laughs> well, so I was just bringing that up because actually we just were contacted by someone involved with the, um, with their big festival and uh, that the breatharian world's doing the pranic world festival to have bear speak at it. Um, because I believe it's important for us to make that connection between those who have shown this real science to work through their own personal experience here in the realm by literally living on breath and soul and, and light. And I do believe that is a light, pure light diet that they are essentially energizing the ATP production, in the mitochondria through light. Right. And, and so, but by grounding it in back into the science is super important. So we aren't so um, <clears throat> sort of just uh, uh, I don't know that so basically merging the Western with the East, which is what alpha Vedic is yeah. all about. I'm so glad you say that because I actually think so the light diet being sort of my brand, it started interestingly with just, just changing our diet of light exposure. So going from, you know, blue light all the time to more natural solar spectrum. So you might've called it the sunlight diet, but a friend of mine said, well, why don't actually Luke story? I think you guys are probably familiar with him. Um, I love Luke He's a great friend. And yeah, I think he's really well-intentioned and he's sharing lots of great information and also, you know, very skeptical of what we're being told uh, and and pretty open about that as well. Thankfully he's, he's still up and running on all all the platforms it seems, but um, anyhow, so he, you know, he said one time, well, why don't you call it the sunlight diet? Cause otherwise it seems like you're just talking about eating salads or something. And I just felt like, well, actually I, I like it the way it is, but it's funny because as I've learned more from Ayurveda in particular, uh, studying with a friend of mine, who's a top Ayurvedic doctor from Russia, uh, not, not a public guy, but works with a lot of the top people in, in the world. I'm actually visiting him in Costa Rica at the moment. Uh, I learned that the, the, the light diet from light, like the sun actually then kind of corresponds with lighter eating of food, like more light food, um, not just in, in, in mass, but also in the light content. And then also the inner light. So like living more on light, maybe exclusively on light. So I'm actually very much inclined towards breatharianism now. I'm, I'm not practicing it yet in, in total transparency, but I'm definitely more interested in that. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point that's the direction I go, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to force it. Although I have, and, I have nothing against meat consumption, but I've, I've kind of found myself shift more towards a plant-based approach of eating um, just with the the changes I've made in my own sort of routine and practice and being in the sun. And, and I feel pretty great with that, although it's kind of like a sacred cow, so to speak in the, in the health and wellness world, the truther, as you said, world, because a lot of it is like, Oh, you have to eat meat and you have to eat, you know, your local grass fed cows. And I have nothing against that. It's just, I just felt a different kind of pull yeah. at, at the moment. The, the hermetist, the hermeticist, uh, you know, really understood, as we already alluded to, that, you know, through the etheric medium and the different stages, you know, beginning with the fire element, which is hydrogen, going to nitrogen, oxygen, how uh, there's a fermentation in the atmosphere, then that creates coagulation, then goes to the south pole to the carbon element and actually precipitates matter. Now, if you understand that principle, and I duplicate that in my alchemical lab, you know, to make things, so it's it's not fiction to me. Uh, and if you understand that also we are a microcosm and have our own etheric 
um, you know, ladder within our own toroidal field that makes up our, you know, humanoid body, uh, then you realize that, uh, you know, we can do the same thing. You don't have to consume your environment in order to survive. And then the science of ionization analysis, which I use in both uh, soil and, uh, you know, uh, medical analysis, it, it reveals that even people that are heavy eaters of any kind of diet, we still derive 70% of our nutrition directly from the atmosphere, which gives us a net energy gain. The energy we get from food, because it takes more energy to digest the food and derive energy from that, we actually derive a net energy loss. So uh, the more um, efficient we get, the lighter our foodstuffs become, then it takes less energy and we drive more and more energy direct from the atmosphere. The only thing I'd say is involved with any kind of diet, whether it's paleo, whether it's vegan, whether it's breatharianism, uh, there gets to be a lot of ego involved in people wanting to do things for the wrong reasons and not going through proper transitions in any, uh, you know, in either direction. And in the process, uh, we don't thrive. And, you know, I have no problem with the carnivore diet. You know, I used to, uh, you know, weigh quite a bit and have a totally different body. So, and I understand that that brought a certain kind of strength and vitality that I needed for the sports I was involved with. But then, you know, later phases of life and then also desiring different kind of attributes in my life, uh, you know, heavy foodstuffs like flesh will kind of put a ceiling on your, um, let's just say that efficiency within your consciousness to transmute. And then, you know, you'll have a, a tonifying effect on the physical level, which carnivores experience. And I know I'm going to get skewered by all the carnivores out there now. Um, but uh, then because you, you know, kind of set that, that threshold a little bit lower or, um, or that ceiling, then, you know, you can only rise so, uh, high in other levels, which will, uh, in the long run prevent, um, attaining those higher levels of efficiency, not only for the, um, health of your body in a term, but, uh, you'll get less light bulbs coming on, you know, in other ways at the same time. So, um, you know, it's, it's a process. And so rather than having arguments between the meat eaters and people that identify that with their T-score, you know, and most of those guys that, you know, brag about, you know, a guy, I eat meat and, you know, uh, vegetarians or a bunch of pencil necks or most of those guys can't fight their way out of a wet paper bag in the first place. So, you know, it's all ego and ideology. We need to leave that behind and realize uh, we are not what we eat. Uh, our consciousness, on the other hand, uh, determines the foodstuffs that we're attracted to. And we have to learn how to use the full musical scale of foodstuffs in order to rise to better levels of well-being in both physicality and consciousness. Amen. I couldn't agree more. I actually said something very similar on the podcast yesterday with Alec. Uh, I had never shared anything about my own personal dietary kind of leanings, or at least the last year or two, just because it's, uh, that's like, tant never, that's but... tantamount to being political these days. Exactly. <laughs> it is like... it, it, maybe even more in these, in this world. So I just focused on the light for a while. And, but I finally started sharing, you know, my interest in Ayurveda and being more interested in actually plant 
based eating for the reason you've, your reasons you've shared. And I still see flaws in the, the vegan communities and mindset and how a lot of people who are vegan do look really sickly and unwell, but, and I'm not, I'm not vegan uh, to be transparent, but um, I've definitely been kind of less and less attracted to the the beef that I ate a pound or two of every day in former times. Um, and that's something I've sort of shied, you know, just been nat- naturally drifted away from. Uh, and I can see in many friends of mine, I know and people I met in that uh, world of carnivore, and I can see how that affects their psyche, the approach. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, it's true. And you can, you know, we could see it when you observe closely, or even from afar, the way people act and communicate and speak. Um, so I, I appreciate you, Dr. Bear, giving that that kind of detail, more refined explanation of, of that uh, phenomenon. So yeah, I think this is this is a really interesting conversation. So Paris to Jerusalem, that's the uh, that's the conclusion. That's kind of where I'm thinking. <laughs> I have to talk with you guys, uh, Mike, especially with your idea of the PCT of of uh, you know timelines. I'm still trying to map the whole thing out. The cool thing about what I want to do is that I I I can I want to continue running my business because I, I love it and and it's exciting and we're doing a lot of cool stuff. And uh, the beauty of being in civilization, because in the U.S., if you cross thousands of miles, you're going to be in the middle of nowhere for a while. But in Europe. You could cross the whole continent and have a have a bed to sleep in every night, um, more or less. You know, depending on the route. And I'll, I'll keep a tent just in case. But um, it's uh, much PCT, more. You really get under the stars. You really get out there. There's sections, especially in Washington, in the Cascades, where there's Washington's a special state because they didn't um, put all the roads in like California and Oregon back in the day because of the mining. So Oregon and uh, California have a lot of. Um, uh, forest roads because of the mining access, uh, mm-hmm. gold rush and all that. Washington only has a few large thoroughfares, uh, highways, and then it's just only accessible by horseback still. So you still wow. feel like you're really like in the past and just out there far away from humanity and, and technology. It's really phenomenal. And one side note on that, there is a cool video of a family of a guy who's a professional forager now he teaches people how to forage and he learned this with his family in the 80s when they did the pct together and they were tired of being pack mules carrying their food and because his parents knew how to forage they ended up uh, actually uh creating a sort of bucket they just carried with them and they literally foraged their way through the pct eating off the land and how cool is that tying back into the diet and this idea of of uh, being you know crossing the land um, and he said, energetically, they were in touch with the land. They could do more miles. Uh, they weren't as weighed down, not only by holding the food, but uh, energetically and internally, uh, their combustion system was working better because they were in tune with the natural um, sort of flow of the trail that they were on. And it's a phenomenal concept here, right? And this is what we are supposed to do. The land gives us what we need. Weeds are edible, right? That's a, as someone said here in the chat, literally you can eat weeds. Weeds are some of the best, you know, stinging nettle and dandelion and all that. So um, that being said, I think going back minimal is a really good idea these days, right? Not only going back to the land, but going more minimal. For me, I'm a one day a meal guy. Since I've been doing that for the last four years, I feel like I have way more energy. I just try to eat less. And um, and then, of course, there's the different bodies that we often forget about, the emotion body, the causal body, all these different bodies that are us. 
Um, and so I think a lot of the meat eaters get stuck on just the physical body and they're very materialistic about like what Bear was saying and their T levels and all that. And the chemistry, when, when we get more defined and refined and understanding who we are and what our consciousness is, then we can better understand that energetic flow that comes from the land around us and what to eat at that time, feeling what's correct for us. So uh, Bear and I are, are very into the intuition aspect of diet and trusting yourself and what your body and what your spirit's telling you. So, but yeah, look, I'll, I'll try to find that video for you of the foraging family that did the PCT. It's so cool. I would love to see that. I think that'd be very cool. Fantastic. So, so Matt, with our time left here, can you tell us a little bit more about what's up at Raw Opticals and... Uh, which you guys are doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, of course, as you guys know, we make the blue light protection eyewear and that's that's very cool. It works very well. As I mentioned, we had a partnership with Aura last year, which was super cool to show that people who are tracking their deep sleep and their REM sleep and their sleep latency and their heart rate variability can actually see huge improvements. And it was cool because it was a skeptical group of, of people who were just like, oh, I'm just going to take this because it's a free gift if I refer a friend to buy a ring and they'll send me a pair of glasses, I'll just take it and maybe use it, maybe not. And we had so many people who were like, oh my gosh, I didn't believe, I didn't believe that this would even work. And it worked really well immediately. Um, so we got a lot of really great feedback and uh, that was cool because, you know, we already get great reviews from our existing customers, but to get it from a skeptical audience who isn't already sold uh, you know, they didn't pay anything for it. So they're not invested in that way. Like, oh, this has to work or I'm placeboing myself into it. That was really, really cool. Like, okay, awesome. So, you know, one day maybe we'll, you know, when we, when we, when it's the right time, maybe we will put money into the traditional scientific approach of just to have that data there for those who want that. But, um, you know, I'm not interested in convincing people who aren't interested in, in understanding things. So, you know, when the time is right, we'll go there. But uh, as I mentioned, we're working with a German expert, photobiology expert, who has, I think, the most um, complete understanding of how light and life interact, uh, which is something I've, so I've been learning a lot more directly from him in a similar way that you guys sort of have a mentor-mentee relationship, as you mentioned, Mike. And we're working on some really cool light therapy devices. So we're working on red light panels. So, uh, you know, very popular red light, LED-based red light panels. However, none of them have the level of uh, wavelengths, the, the frequency options we're going to be offering. So we're going to create basically a, a superior broad spectrum LED red light panel. So that's exciting. It's in the works. Oh, Time that's hard to give. But really hopefully by the end of yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I think it'll be super beneficial, especially for the majority of people who have to spend the majority of their time inside. Um, so that's where it could be a huge use. And then one other thing we're, we're working on, uh, but this is more long-term is color therapy, uh, chromotherapy. So I haven't really shared much about this and I probably won't, but just because you guys are kind of the the guys who get this stuff, like we can actually use all the different colors to exert all sorts of different effects. And there are some really cool systems in existence uh, that have put the science together even over a hundred years ago, which were actually canceled like way, 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 way before it was kind of cool to become canceled. Uh, so yeah, the gov, the FDA put all sorts of holds on the, or yeah, basically blocks on these um, systems that were using colors to improve health because they were, they were so effective. I mean, not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the only reason why, but it it seems very much in line with the way things are happening today, a hundred years later. So yeah, that's something really exciting. Oh, what do we got here? Uh, well, this is a little gizmo I use uh, in acupuncture work. 
And cool. uh, it has a little wheel with many different uh, light filters I can put in it, different color spectrums. But in decades of open brain surgeries, it's been proven how different color frequencies when applied in certain specialized um, acupuncture points will create an immediate and dramatic uh, reset within brain centers. So it's like doing brain surgery, but all this about, you know, the color spectrum and light and so forth. We deliver it with both LED and laser, you know, kind of mechanisms just Great. creates uh, a, a huge impact. So everything you're talking about is, has been proven out in studies uh, in top medical institutions uh, while they're putting electrodes into brain tissue and observing the results over thousands of patients for a long time now. So just so you know, there's a lot of science behind everything yeah, you're saying, which I, I know you already know. Well, I, I, I will hit you up for the specific mm -hmm. details because I'd love to see the stuff that you've read that that I haven't. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So there's that, those two items, and then there's some uh, general lighting projects like for people's houses and so on. We're looking to reinvent lighting effectively. So, you know, the way lighting is done generally is overhead and light, light overhead at night doesn't make any sense physiologically, biologically speaking, because you'd never have light overhead at night in nature other than the moon and the stars, which are very, very dim relative to what we're using to light our environments. So uh, we're just, the goal is to reinvent lighting completely. And yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, the last six years of me learning from the process of starting a glasses business out of high school, I've learned a lot. Uh, we've sort of beyond proved the concept that there's a need, that there are effects, that we have a, a strong resonance with uh, an audience out there that's only growing uh, you know, a lot of the top athletes in the world use our products. And for me, it's great because not only are we selling a physical product, but uh, especially after getting into the dispenser work, I've realized that I want to Im imbue the products with a higher consciousness. And that's something we do. I noticed you have a biogeometry uh, bangle on mm -hmm. around your neck, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And like our logo, as you've yeah. probably seen, it's the eye of Horus, which is an Egyptian oh, symbol. Right. Yeah. Uh, awesome. one of, yeah. A, a friend of mine, actually, who's in biogeometry, uh, tested uh, and basically said yeah the symbol produces bg3 which makes sense of course because yeah. it's ancient symbol but so we're trying i want to in, in ways that that the people the scientific minds are going to accept and understand we'll you know put that into our products but also the stuff that people just don't need to even know what we're doing and there's going to be higher levels of consciousness and awareness that even just our intentions i believe have a strong effect and being more focused on doing good for the world and creating quality products even when my you know products cost me more than there are other products you can buy on amazon uh you know for for retail uh price and you know which just I believe that that has a huge effect. A lot of the time people just tell me, well, your, your glasses just feel better than X or Y or Z other company, which I've even tested those in there. Their lens technologies may be comparable or similar, uh, at least in the wavelengths it blocks. Our frames are generally higher quality than all the rest of them as well. And our lenses have some specific focuses on, on detail that others don't. But all that's to say, people are just like, they just feel better. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, we put a lot of attention to detail, but I'm starting to realize or at least think that you can't exclude the sort of energetic component when it's a company that's actually trying to uh, do good for the world. And um, so, yeah, and I think that's why there's a, a lot of resonance with top performing athletes as well. Like the number one football soccer team in the world, uh, Manchester city, they basically all use our glasses and a bunch of other really top, like high level people. So it's, it's kind of exciting for me. It just Amazing. keeps it fun. Yeah, uh, I I can vouch for that. Your glasses are a, a whole different quality caliber, and I'm not just saying that. 
you know, because I have seen quite a few. When I do extended computer work, which I try not to do, but when I have to, if I'm working on Photoshop or something, I always put the glasses on and I just feel so much better after. And just everything from the construction to, you know, the way they feel on my eyes. And, you know, it's just apparent Thank that you. they're a different level. Thank you so much. Well, it's been so great yeah. speaking with you guys. And I look forward to our next one. Hopefully the next time I'm on AlphaCast, we do it sooner than two years. And uh, also, I, I'm really serious about doing an interview. I want to pick your guys' brains, but I'm, I'm thinking about how we could even do it in person. If there's a way that I could get up to you guys uh, maybe sooner than later, I'll, uh, I'm, I kind of have a really tight travel schedule because I'm trying to get back to Europe to continue my pilgrimage, but, um, and I, I will, but, uh, I, I may be able to make something work this summer. So I will let you guys know. And we'll be in touch. Mike, I think I have your Awesome. <laughs> I think anyway, I would love to, uh, yeah, you have my cell, I believe holler at me. I'd love to have you come by music and sky. If you're here, uh, and then cruise up to the farm and we could hit the PCT even for a little bit and do a section. That so, would be awesome. Yeah, um, that'd be amazing. Have you ever been to Crater Lake? No, I've not. One of the wonders of, well. the, of northern uh, uh, of the entire hemisphere here. Deepest in, lake in the world, right? Or one of them? Um, well, I don't know about that, but it is just really a, deep, it's a magical place. It's one of the it's one of the like uh, in terms of the water quality is really unique and different uh right. and uh yeah it's just uh, it has it's one of those vortexes too right and then of course mount shasta is not far from here either Great. so another amazing Let's vortex. Do it. so okay matt hey thanks so much buddy this has been a very illuminating conversation a lot of fun we touched on a lot of different topics that we love uh, always a pleasure man good luck with everything you're doing and keep it up we love entrepreneurs uh and uh you know that's really how we change the game here guys is find your passion and go for it and create your own business around it uh that being yeah. said you can go to alphavedic.com forward slash raw optics let's see what i put sorry it's uh alphavedic yeah alphavedic.com forward slash ra optics and you get a discount there so go there if you're interested in looking more into the glasses here that uh, that I'm wearing. I, I wear them all the time because I do way too much computer work as a technologist. So these things have been really, really key for me the last few years. So uh, thanks again, Matt. Everyone, remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go for a hike <laughs> barefoot if you can, uh, go plant something, jump into that garden. Mother Nature tells us so much about ourselves. Go show her some love. And we'll see you guys next week, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, same bat time, same bat channel. Love you all. Thanks again. Go support Matt and everything he does. And yeah, go subscribe to his podcast. That sounds cool. We love light to come on podcast. sometimes. Yeah, and the Light Diet Instagram. <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks so much, Matt. Love Appreciate you guys. It. We'll Thank see you, you next week.